I think there's a lot of confusion around what a brand is. Is a brand just a product? Is a brand a logo? Because so many people spend so much time just making a logo. Is a brand the color palette you use? Is a brand the type of content you create? What's a brand? Is a brand the influence you work with? If you go back to the early stages of what branding means is to go and stamp something with a name that means something mm-hmm. and it's a reputation. Ladies and gentlemen, wake up! Welcome to Wake Up With Focus, your home to learn all things digital, marketing, content, branding, and business development, finding out what's gold and what's old in the world of digitalization, hear from industry leaders, and discover how to market to those who matter most to your business. With your host, founder of Focus Recruitment and Focus Media, Belinda Agnew. Our guest on this episode is Iza Basha, the CEO of a multi-million dollar empire, EHP Labs, the world's fastest growing supplement brand. From immigrating to Australia to being diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, get ready for this incredible journey of resilience and grit here on Wake Up With Focus. So Iz, let's uh, jump straight into it. Uh, For people that don't know Iz, if somebody was in a room with you uh, of strangers and you wanted to impress somebody and they were to ask you, what do you do for a living? I'm, what would you say? <laughs> What's your actual answer? Yeah, I, I'm pretty shy. Like until I vibe with you and, and kind of trust you. Um, and it's a good hypothetical. Like I haven't been in a situation where I've needed to really impress my person. I, I always believe in telling, like just being honest. And so I tell the story. I'm a former lawyer. Um, you who, are. Yeah, I was a corporate lawyer. I worked for Clayton Utes in private equity and M&A for five years, um, who um, was blessed by becoming very sick, by getting an autoimmune disease. And... Um, just saw the light then in the tunnel and now my life is dedicated to to helping other people become healthier and live more meaningful lives. So I own a sports supplement brand. Um, well, it's a holding company now. We've got lots of brands under our umbrella. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, where we focus on um, yeah, empowering people to become better versions of themselves. That's what I do. Is that what you would say to people? That's a long In version. an actual event? Like this is what I do and I love empowering people and yeah, I love helping 100%. people and this is I my background. I very rarely get into the technical okay. side of things because like, you know, you open up a conversation about, hey, you know, I, I'm not a sales pitch kind of dude. Like I vibe straight off just, you know, what like what life means to me and mm. get full on into philosophy. And a lot of the time that passion is what resonates with people. And like, if you truly want to know me and you want to vibe with me, then I'm not going to tell you what the accolades or what a Google search is going to tell you. I'm going to tell you like, cool, you get like the inside source now. Like I'm talking to you. I'm going mm. to tell you the why. And so for me, that's how I build connection. And going back to your story, I think a lot of people would like to know, you've obviously made such a big name for yourself with a brand and your personal brand, people know who you are. Uh, and when people see you, they know you. Uh, how did you become, I guess, I wouldn't say rags to riches, but how did you become a refugee? Because that's kind of posted everywhere from the man you are today and the brand that you've actually built. How did that happen? Can you explain like who were you back then as a refugee versus who you are today as the the brand of EHP Labs. Yeah, it's a, it's a long story, right? And so there's a, there's a lot of things that happened and there's a lot of people that came in and influenced my life. So mm-hmm. my family came to Australia when I was five. We escaped political persecution in Fiji against the Indo-Fijian race. Um, my ancestors were originated 
from the south of India, from my dad's side, my mum's side, from the north and the Afghan regions 300 years ago and were taken as sugarcane farming slaves under indenture program to do sugarcane farming for as slaves uh, on the wow. promise to get land one day, which they were promised they'd get it after five years. They got it after 10. And that was 300 years ago, right? So then whatever, the, the you know Fijian Indian population became part of the the lifeblood of what is Fiji. Mm -hmm. And um, in 1988, so I was, yeah, four, um, there's a big Fijian coup going on. So I was four or five. And there's a big Fijian coup. So the military came in and there's this whole kind of, you know, political persecution against anyone with Fijian Indian blood. So my family had to get out of there and leave behind their nice cushy life with, you know, like my family is pretty well to do in Fiji. Dad was university educated. He had a really good good job in the government and, um, you know, served on the, on the uh, Fijian delegates of the, of the World Bank. He was doing some good stuff back then. He came to Australia as an immigrant man and struggled to even get a job. Um, so he's working two jobs as a prison guard at night and at the, in, in the government, in the housing department during the daytime. Mum worked as a nurse at night and as a bank teller during the day, like two jobs each. I was five. My sister was nine and she raised me. So she'd make my food. She'd like bribe me to do housework and like to go and clean the bathrooms and stuff to get my wow. to get my favorite thing, which is Vegemite on toast. So your sister raised you, <clears throat> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So she's the biggest uh, one of the biggest impacts on my life that helps me become the man I am today. So I was always her pet project, and <laughs> it was like I sucked at dancing. I sucked at a lot of things. Like I'm not really that good at anything. I don't have any major gift, right? But she'd always tell me. If I came third in the hundred meter sprint at the athletics kind of you didn't try hard enough. Like you could come first. Like, you know, you've you could come first. Or like if I, I, I still can't dance. I couldn't dance, but she, like, I was her pet project to put me in the talent quest. And she then psyched me up and we practiced dancing, like, like a rehearsed dance moves where I'd actually be counting as I'd do wow. every movement. Yeah. And you end up winning the talent quest because she coached me through it. And like all these things that mm. I would put up barriers, um, about why I could mental barriers, like excuses why I couldn't achieve something. She was always there to break them down. Um, so she practically challenged you constantly coached yeah. me coached me is the re the real word kind of pushed boundaries coached me and like you said like challenged the the misconceptions I created in my mind mm. and I wasn't good at school or just wasn't maybe interested in school um and a, a lot of boys have this possibly they they mature a little bit later um and that was definitely me I was into just playing on the streets I grew up in Auburn which is in the western suburbs of Sydney oh yep it's like the Bronx of Sydney if you know is what it Auburn is. the Bronx like off Sydney yeah how far is that from the city CBD <laughs> of Sydney take you about about 40 minutes oh wow Parramatta. yeah oh yeah I know where Parramatta is Parramatta's yeah. okay it's not too bad <laughs> yeah yeah Auburn's Auburn was different back then when okay. I grew up yeah everything's <laughs> gentrified now everything's gentrified now That's and stuff true. starts to get That's a little true. bit you know like now the house is selling for a million bucks out there but you know yeah, yeah. everything's gentrified now but back when I was growing up it was where the immigrants were there was a big mm. um, Turkish Lebanese population and um, had the you know, best childhood, but yeah, if, if you had to look back at it, it was, it was a bit of a rough upbringing. When did you leave Auburn? Because um, environment's huge. Yeah, when I, I, when I met my the, the lady who's my wife today. So she's my first ever girlfriend. 
I was 22 years old. Yeah, I was finished uni, 23, and I was first year lawyer at Clayton Yates as a grad lawyer. Yeah. And I met Katie. She lived in Randwick, so it was like a 45, 50-minute drive to see her every day. One day. <laughs> yeah, and working like as a young lawyer, you do like 16-hour days. So I remember finishing work early at 9.30 p.m. early. I was cheering, catch the train back to Auburn, jump in my Honda Integra Type R and like speed all the way to go and see her. And so that started to become – be challenging and then so I, you moved. Yeah, moved to moved to Randwick. How Randwick. old were you then? Yeah, twenty-three. Twenty-three. Mm-hmm. And she was your first I don't want to go into your relationship, but okay, she was your you first relationship, your yeah. first girlfriend. First girlfriend. And you married. So you've only been ever with one woman? Like dated girls and stuff before. Okay, but Katie right, right. was my first proper girlfriend. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Okay. And what made you, I guess, as an entrepreneur? lock that up because that's really interesting to me because it's really hard, I guess, for business owners and entrepreneurs. I don't want to go on the route of relationships right now, but it's really hard for people that run such a fast-paced life, even though she met you pre-Isa today, Mm. but she's obviously adapted and evolved with you over time. And that's quite hard for somebody to adapt and evolve over time. How did she deal with that? We did it together. So- when I met, I'm a person who like patience is not my strong suite at all. Like I am not a patient person. Okay. And so like I, I like my level of tolerance. If I'm sitting someone and I don't vibe with them, it was worse back then. I'm so much more patient now after having two baby girls. Like my girls have taught me patience. But back then, if I went on a date with a girl and like we didn't vibe, I just be like cool. Like see, like it's. We're not vibing. Like, I'm not going to string anyone along. And so when I went to Katie, I was like, oh, like, this cannot be real. Like, this, you know, so obviously, to me, time is is a limited resource. It's, mm-hmm. you know, and if I met somebody who's got those, got the everything for me, she's the most amazing person I've ever met in my life. So, yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. You know, early. I think we, we got married at, like, 20, she was 25, I was 26. Oh, so, oh, okay. So, not much of a difference, so quite similar age. Yeah, so she was nice. a lawyer, I was a lawyer too. Um, and then you evolved together. Yeah. So going um, into your brand of EHP Labs, as you know, the health and fitness is such a noisy place mm-hmm. right now, even pre. How did you, I guess, stay consistent and build such a strong brand with your brand on top of all the other brands out there that are trying to create the same noise and the same impact. How did you, I guess, stay strong in that realm? What were the things that you did as a personal brand and as a business brand to keep consistent? Yeah. So we started up eight years ago Mm -hmm. um, and in the lead up to starting up what is EHP Labs, prior to that, when I left the law, I was in, in and out of hospital for almost a year with my autoimmune disease. And okay. so the precursor to EHP was a little retail store in Randwick. Um, so when I got out of hospital, I was in hospital, probably high in morphine, trying to recover from internal bleeding and inflammation. I made this promise to myself and I said to God, if you can get me out of hospital, I'm going to... I promise I'm going to help everyone else, you know, become healthier and, you know, lead lead kind of more enjoyable, meaningful lives. So I got out of hospital and walked down the street, went to, I was going to the gym and eating healthy. And I saw this little 
shop that used to be an optometrist closing down and it's opposite fitness first. I had 5,000 members in Randwick. So I went in, no experience in business, nothing. I went in and convinced the guy to give me a lease. And that was DNA, direct nutrition and shows, the little supplement retail re- retail store. Mm-hmm. And we're retailing a whole bunch of different US brands, all the big brands from America, making proteins and fat burners and pre-workouts and branch amino acids. Mm-hmm. And business retail is mm-hmm. is a tough game. So we looked at, well, how can we get the word out there that we're here? And this girl used to come in. She's a personal trainer from Bondi and she had like, you know, this Facebook page. I think she had like 30,000 or 50,000 fans. And so she started like helping, like she started writing vlogs and I used to help her. She used to like promote our, our store and people started coming in saying, hey, we saw this girl talk about this store, this product. And so that was really early stage understanding of social media marketing, influencer marketing back before the concept even came And that out. was six years ago. That was eight years ago. Oh, eight years yeah, ago. Sorry. So EHP was eight years ago. So that was eight and a half years ago. Eight so I ran the store for a short period of okay. time. Um, that gave me this massive understanding of social media and um, somebody who's got this legitimate level of influence over people and authority. Mm-hmm. And when she says something, people came. I was like, what is this? This is insane. Like I'm standing around this store with my little shorts on and my like, tight little top waiting for customers to come in. Is that literally the visual? Seriously, that was it, man. Like imagine this like navy blue shirt that said DNA, these little short shorts oh on. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> my, <laughs> my, my, my brown legs, God, you know, damn. hanging out. And um, so people come in and we tried different things. So we tried come in and get a free protein shake, come in and do this. People yeah, come in. And yeah. yeah, people came in because of this person's word. And so then um, people came in and one of the biggest things was the, the fat burner category. Everyone wants to lose weight and look good and have abs and be lean. And um, so then we um, started to obviously help people in, in diet and training, explain to them like that stuff comes first. And then, you know, obviously the fat burners help and they help with a whole bunch of different aspects mm-hmm. of you trying to stick to diet. But then a lot of the fat burners that we were selling were high in stims. They had an ingredient there that was like a meth-derived ingredient called 1,3-dimethylmelamine that eventually became banned. Uh, excessive levels of caffeine, stuff that eventually would make people sick or okay. would make you feel like you're actually getting some type of result. But it's just increasing your heart rate, making you sweat ridiculously, but not really doing anything physiologically in terms of Got it. in okay. terms of mobilizing fat, increasing the efficiency of fat utilization. So then I would whine and whinge all the time to my wife about this. And she said, well, why don't you do something about it if you think you can create something better? And I was just like, hmm. So I Googled, best place in the world to formulate sports supplements. I watched a document, this documentary comes up and I watched this little video about the supplement industry in Salt Lake City, Utah. I was like, okay, that's where I've got to go. Mm. I've never been to America before, it's in 2012. It's like, I've got to get to America. So. I book a flight to America, like literally the next day I went to America for two weeks. I found myself a contract lab. I had three grand in my bank account. I paid that over to get exclusive access to this contract lab. And two weeks later, I came out having formulated OxyShred, which is our flagship product to this day. Um, so that was kind of like the early conception. That was like the early stages. Of, wow. Yeah, the birthplace of So you went on Google. You watched Doc, Doco and, and then you flew to America, yeah, and then you crazy. made it happen. It sounds crazy. So That's exactly what you I did. did. That's yeah. literally what I did. And it sounds crazy explaining the story it's now. It's pretty crazy. Uh, so in the space of when, so you, so like the day that you googled, you found the play, you found the the guys. 
you watched the documentary, you booked a flight to America and you did the deal of the contract in the space of how long? Like a month, so a week? So we Googled it in August. I was in America by September. We had EHP Labs LLC registered in Delaware, our American company registered in Delaware in December. We got our first product into Australia through our Australian distribution company called Tiger Nutrition. So we owned the whole vertical. So I owned the American company okay. and every other subsidiary in the key markets that we So it's like a few months. So yeah, we're looking at from idea and concept formulation to having product um, in Australia by March 2013 was when we first traded in Australia. So yeah, what's that? I'm bad at math. So like six months? Yeah, that's yeah, really months. short to, to launch a brand. Seven like months. you just went on and did it. You made it happen. But this is the, this is the thing. Like I, I didn't know about brand building and I still say to myself, I still don't, but um, it just happens, right? And so to me, we had a product, mm -hmm. we had OxyShred was a brand in the beginning mm -hmm. and OxyShred became that popular that when we started to now roll out other products, I was like, well, the brand's actually EHP, EHP Labs. And what EHP Labs previously stood for, stood for was enhanced human performance. And then eventually we're like, well, it's, it's more than that. And so about four years ago, we changed the expansion of the acronym from enhanced human performance to empowered human potential because we do more than just- Enhanced. It changed from enhanced human performance- Okay, To potential. empowered human potential. Okay. And so what that means is that your potential is limitless when you're empowered, right? So like the, yeah. the business that we're in is helping you realize your full potential by mm -hmm. empowering you, mm -hmm. by giving you all the tools, by saying, hey, like this is the nutrition program, this is your exercise. We have all our amazing athletes throughout the world that inspire and educate people on what they should be doing to mm -hmm. lead healthier lives and make that change as well as the supplements that come in to help to supplement mm -hmm. all of the exercise, training, rest and sleep and mental health stuff that's so important these days. So your, I guess your why was based on your experience as a person of being somewhat unhealthy and then figuring out a formula to, to help not only yourself but help other people. Mm -hmm. And then from there you made that happen based on a push from your wife. So there must have been some type of memory how your sister had pushed you and coached you. So that was kind of like a trigger for you. If I could dance, then I could do this, right? Like if I could win a dancing contest when I don't know how to dance, why can't I do this? So do you think that that kind of came across your mind at that point from your upbringing with your sister coaching you? You know, that's so intuitive by you to actually make that connection. No one's ever made that connection before. Like, that's the first okay. time I've heard it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So like amazing by you to actually make that connection. And yeah. you're right. Like it probably did subconsciously happen. I think I'm the, the top. Yeah. Like if we sat here now and you said to me is like, I'd love to see this. Do you think you can do that? You've planted the seed. It's going to happen. Like I'll roll yeah. it out in the next couple of months if, if it fits like our actual broader strategy. The best example to give you is um, my best friend who's also my CFO. I've known Ted since I was 12 years old. We went to, to high school together. Oh, wow. Okay. And so Teddy now runs the whole finances and whatever, like the operations of the, mm -hmm. the company globally. And Teddy the boring said to stuff. Me, yeah, they're very important stuff. The important but boring stuff. <laughs> that yeah. needs to happen that I don't want to do. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so Teddy said to me one day, he's like, yes, uh, like we all love eating protein bars, but this stuff, you know, doesn't sit nicely in your stomach. And then the ones that are kind of good for you taste horrible. It's like, 
It's like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, you know, you wouldn't be able to make one with you. And then bang, like kind of within six months, we've got the best protein bar in the world. It's got the like most amazing macros, like, the, yeah, you know, wow. the best formula, best texture, amazing flavors and taste and stuff. So I think as soon as I'm the kind of person, as soon as one, I see an opportunity to, there's a challenge presented and three, it helps or it helps people or it, 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 to me, my interpretation would be if I do this, you're going to be happy. Like I'm pleasing you. I'm mm-hmm. doing it. I'm such a pleaser. And so I, I get my biggest satisfaction out of if I love you and care about you. And if you feel like you're going to get some sense of satisfaction from or it. appreciation or pride from me doing this, like I'm going to do it. That's, that's, that's me. It's like it's a challenge. My four-year-old daughter is gonna- so not me. She's so different. <laughs> It's a challenge and I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that. You show up. Yeah, well, you yeah. Sh- show up and, and work. Like I'm not yes. showing up to spectate. I'm showing up to work. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really like that. I'm going to steal that quote, post it somewhere. <laughs> um, and I guess going back to from the upbringing of your brand, how did you uh, create the brand? Because mm. I, I know reading from your story a little bit, and correct me if I'm wrong, you seen the opportunity with influencers and the influence they had and the authority they had on such big audiences. Did you utilize influencers the most from the very beginning and that's how you built your brand? Is that how you did yeah, it? Really good question. So the way the way I like to look at this is mm-hmm. like I, people need to understand what a brand is. I think there's a lot of confusion around what a brand is. Is a brand just a product? Um, is a brand a logo? Because so many people spend so much time just making a logo. Is a brand the color palette you use? Is a brand the type of content you create? What's a brand? Is a brand the influence you work with? Mm-hmm. To me, the meaning of a brand, and it took me eight years to work this out. Okay, so like I didn't get this from the beginning. We just had a product. I just wanted to make the best fat burner that existed, right? And then the brand stuff came later. And then yeah. what I very quickly worked out is, you know, when I look at, I know you're vegan, so sorry for giving this example. It's terrible. But it's when so I look terrible. at meat, when I look at meat, right? <laughs> when I look at meat, a type of meat that I like to eat, Wagyu beef. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the type of Wagyu beef I'm going to go and get and pay the premium is David Blackmore's full blood Wagyu beef. Okay. Because it will hit that quality note all the time. It's going to have the taste. It doesn't have huge levels of variance. I know the, the farm. I know where it's coming from. I know what those cows have eaten, that they were ethically raised. And mm-hmm. that they were ethically slaughtered. Um, and so to me, a brand, if you go back to the early stages of what branding means, is to go and stamp something with a name that means something. Mm-hmm. And it's a reputation. So when I go and stamp EHP Labs onto all of the products that we roll out, irrespective of what they are, if I stamp EHP Labs onto anything, a shirt, a hat, a shaker bottle, it's meant to mean something. And so that meaning, it's it's either quality, it's how it makes you feel, it's the trust and respect that you have for the thing that you're investing into and buying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, that's a brand. A brand is meant to mean something, okay? It's meant to deliver a particular message. It's meant to stand for something. Make so, somebody feel something. Yeah. So when you create that, there's so many things you've got to do, right? Mm. You've got to know what it is that sets you apart. You've got to be consistent with that. You've got to have your quality right. You've got to have your customer experience right. All those things are part of your brand. Mm. I think for a lot of people who either buy brands or 
like if you buy a brand, you certainly know that, right? Like if you're rocking a, uh, if you've got a Hermes Birkin bag or a LV bag, like it means something to you. Rock mm-hmm. that and makes you feel a certain way. And people that see you makes them interpret you in a certain way, right? Correct. And so that's what a brand does. So when we creating the brand was one bit. The EHP brand didn't come about eight years ago. A product did. Mm-hmm. The brand evolved and took us a good three years, four years to work out who the hell are we and what are we doing all this stuff for and what does it mean? Mm-hmm. That's one bit. Building a brand is another story altogether. Mm-hmm. Building a brand now comes about from how do we disseminate, how do we reach as many people as we can to tell them about who we are and what our brand means and what we stand for. Right. So if you go back to the early days, cool, you can go stamp this thing onto a cow and you've gone and branded your cow and you've gone to the farm. Okay. And if you're just sitting on your farm, no one knows about it. Cool. Maybe one person who comes and buys it loves your cow. Cool. They go and tell 10 other people. Awesome. So now it's word of mouth marketing. But when you go into the market, the marketplace where lots of people come, that's where the whole concept of a marketplace evolved. It's the old school kind of analogy of going to a place where everyone else gathers and, you know, you got, Belinda's cow, I got Isa's cow, and you got whatever, half 30 other cows there. But how I raise my cows is different to how you raise your cows. So I stamp it Isa and you stamp yours Belinda. My cow, Isa cows, means something different to Belinda cows. Yeah. So it's not a commodity anymore. It's not a cow. It's not a protein. It's not a fat burner. It's not a handbag. Mm. It's now the Birkin bag. It's now EHP Labs Oxy Shred. It's now EHP Labs Oxy Whey Protein. It's now a brand, right? Got it. Different to a commodity. So that's creating it and building it is the funnest thing you can ever do. Like when you truly are obsessed about your brand and what it means to you and what it means to other people. And you're still building. Building every day. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not building, you're you're collapsing. Yes. Yes. That's true. Very true. So you you stayed quite competitive with based on your values of the brand and you knew where you were going with the brand and you were very different to others. Do you feel as though you um, not necessarily look at your competitors a lot, but do you keep up to date with what they're doing and are you friends with your competitors? We, yeah, look, I, I, look, I come from a legal background where you call your competitors colleagues. Yeah. And so I like to bring that same philosophy into into what we do now. And this the sports supplement industry, the health and fitness supplement industry, is it's 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 in a beautiful it's in a beautiful state right now. Mm-hmm. What used to be dominated by um, slightly questionable um, figures before, mm-hmm. they've all gone now. Like the industry is so clean. I'm really good friends with with you know so many different supplement brand owners to the extent where I was negotiating a deal with the GNC. They've got like five thousand stores in the states, and one of our competitors is like helping me agree on what's going to be the best terms for us because they were able to get it. So I was just like, "Hey, dude, they've actually come back with X, Y, and Z." He's like, "No, no, 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 go in with this. They need your product, so demand this and this and this." I was like. Oh. Okay, I'll give that a go. Yeah, and so right. I've helped them in in Australia. I've helped them in in uh, in exploring other markets, and so it gets to a point now where, you know what? As an industry, we're just trying to help each other and help boost the industry. And if, like, yeah, like no one's no one's bringing each other down. We're all there to to uplift each other. So I think yeah, it's in a good place right now. It's important to be friends with your competitors for sure, because a lot mm-hmm. of people are like, when I ask that question, they're like, I don't really know my competitors. Mm. I don't really care. Because I'm so focused on what I'm doing as a person in a business. It's not my 
care factor. I have zero care factor. So for you to say that, it just goes to show, I guess, what type of person you are as well. And Belinda, if you look at the top sprinters in the world, right? So Usain Bolt, do you know who he trains with? He trains with a dude who came second and he's trying to make that dude who comes second. I don't remember his name, but he's another Jamaican dude. (laughs) Usain Bolt trains with the dude who came second and Mm -hmm. he trains with him because he wants the dude who came second to be as best as he can be because that's going to push Usain to be the best. So there's something cool to be taken from that. Yeah. So if we can help our competitors, obviously not give away the secret 11 herbs and spices, but if we can help our competitors be the best that they can be, um, it, it helps the overall industry. You know, if somebody tries our stuff, somebody goes and tries somebody else's stuff, or if they're, if they're improving their health and they're getting better and they're having great experience, great, and I'm happy. <laughs> that's no, just that's I, just my philosophy, you know. Yeah, I agree, and I think it's the same as surroundings as well. It's like, why don't you want to hang around the best? Because if you hang around the best, you become your best. It's like people say, um, what don't people say? I say, uh, you have a mentor for a reason. Your mentor is there for you to outgrow them. Yeah, and then once you outgrow them, you go into the next. Yeah, because you want to be with the best, right? To be the best, you I can't. Love that. Yeah. So I I agree in your personal life as well, same as business. So um, moving on to your your, um, company, how many staff do you currently have at EHP Labs now? There's – it's growing every day. There's 106 at the moment with like eight other roles out at the moment that we need to recruit for. Okay. Yeah, there's 106 at the moment. 106 full-time staff or – Wow. And they all in one office, or are they kind of spread they everywhere spread. all over the world? So we've got we've got an office in New Zealand, a HQs here in Sydney, where yep. the lion's share of the staff are at. I think we've got about seventy-two people in the Sydney office. Okay, we've got an office in uh, Dallas. In oh Dallas, in, nice in, in Texas. That's random. Which is super cool place to be. Yeah, it's in this gentrified area called Deep Elm. That has the best barbecue place around the corner, so it's strategically located. Okay. Uh, we've got some people in Salt Lake City where our R&D, oh, yeah. Flavor House and Manufacturing Facility is located. There's a team in UK, team in Canada, and Philippines. And 106 staff is a lot of people with a lot of emotions mm. and a lot of baggage. So how do you... I guess, manage such a big team. Obviously, you would have divisions, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, to, to manage those types of people. But you as a person to delegate um, that, do you manage the the head of divisions or do you show up like GV says, I have one-on-one coffees with all of my staff. He has, I think, 350 staff or something he said, and he does it every single six months. How do you manage your staff and and manage those emotions? Because that's the toughest thing about running a business is team. Yeah. Um, So I have one-on-one oxy shreds with all my staff. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, You had um, to do a joke. (laughs) So I. um, That's a really really good question. We the the effort that a founder or CEO puts into their people shows that they genuinely care about their people, and the one of the four values that we have as an organization that makes our culture who we are is family. So it's impact, passion, excellence, and family. Mm-hmm. Family means that we're there to obviously deal with whatever people are going through, but the family that I came from, like we push each other and we don't deal with shit. So like if you're like 
not pulling away in my family, just tall, blunt, like, you know, like, cool, this is how it is. So we've got a real talk straight culture in our, in our organization too. So okay. I'm a terrible manager. I just want to put that out there. Like I suck at this stuff. I love that you're honest though. Yeah. I'm so bad. Like so, so bad. I'm either like overly emotional and like that or the other extreme, which is just like, like, like I rate like zero to 100, <laughs> like in, in like, in like, yeah, frustration wow. and yeah. like low tolerance and impatience. Mm-hmm. And so that makes a horrible manager. I'm so poor at it. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't do it very well. And so I've got an amazing senior leadership team. That's like that ex- similar, like almost like a board that I work super closely with. And there's 12 of them that run all the different departments really, really well. Okay. And my role is more, so I'm not, a ma- I'm, I'm not a manager, but I'm a coach. I'm like, I will make you the best. Mm-hmm. If you want to be the best, come, come, come to EHP because I will make you the best. Mm-hmm. Like you will win mm-hmm. at everything that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And we will support my personal promise to everyone is that when they come in, if they give this thing all and they are open and vulnerable and willing to take on board um, growth and mm-hmm. feedback, yeah, they have that level of humility, then then the best versions of themselves, I will do everything in my power to bring that out. So, yeah, that's uh, that's dealing with people. I don't deal with gossip well. I don't deal with problems well, to be honest with you. I'm like, cool, suck it up. Let's move on. Yeah, I've tough got problems, love. man. Yeah. Like I've got big problems. We can we see you talk do. about them all day long, you right. know, and cry and have hugs and kisses yeah. and tears and yeah. get the Kleenex out. I ain't going to do shit, right? Like we're not going to solve the problem at hand by talking about – your stuff, we'll deal with that. You know what? We'll give you all the support possible. We forgot, um, mm. you know, we're big on mental health. We're big on like, you know, uplifting people. We're big on women's rights. We're big on gay and lesbian rights and minority rights and all the stuff. Like when Black Lives Matters happened, we went all out on that, you know, like, yeah. like that whole kind of social media support stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, people, like as human beings, we're creatures of emotion. Mm-hmm. And as part of emotion, I, I'm stealing this from Tony Robbins because I, I love a lot of his philosophies. He's great. Um, yeah. And he talked about the precursor to emotion is motion, but also to deal with emotion and high levels of emotion, you need to implement motion. Mm. So it's a constant state of flux, right? So us yeah. as human beings, we're constantly got to be moving. We've got constantly got to be moving. And in my books, moving forward is the direction that we like to go. Mm. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's how we keep. No, that's it. a good, yeah. uh, a good quote of Tony Robbins. I like that. I love Tony. He's a he's a great old, I guess, personal development coach. Um, so so you have those divisions that delegate quite well for you. And when you say board, I'm actually curious. Have you corporatized? Like, do you have advisors no, on no, a board? No. Do you have you, you don't? We do run it like it's a family business. You know, it's a, I love it's a that. No, business. I'm actually curious because a lot of people corporatize, and a lot of people, I guess, some mentors say corporatize, some mentors are not about it. But I guess it's just getting the right influence and the best of the best together to create a better brand and a better business. How are you doing that? Do you have a mentor doing that, or do you? Have advisors? Do you pay coaches to to do that for you, uh, or consultants? No, I would say I don't. I don't. Um, I, I don't have an answer for that. We wing it every day. Like that's a fun thing about really? not being. Okay. Yeah, 
<laughs> I like the, I there's, love the honesty. There, there's no investors. There's, the whole thing's been bootstrapped. You know, okay, we started off. Yeah. yeah, we started off bootstrapping the thing. No one lent us money when we first started. I think my, my sister went and remortgaged the house and gave me a bit of money to start the company. And wow, your sister's a big impact, yeah, isn't she? Yeah, the whole thing's In just every been way. Yeah. yeah, big time. No, honestly, like I've got. I've got some really, really close friends. If, like I don't have many friends, but really, really close ones who are like the smartest people you've ever met. And so if I've got questions, like right now we're working on some cool augmented reality and virtual reality stuff through technology because I've got a technology oh. department. It's the company is part, part of the organization okay. too. And cool. we've got a whole bunch of different apps and things rolling up as part of our technology department. And so one of my close mates, he's in the tech scene and I can sit down with this guy who's the biggest, one of the top cybersecurity companies in Asia Pacific, I sat down with him, spoke to him yesterday about a different topic about girls, about high schools for my daughters that are like she's four and two years old, but you apparently have to start thinking about high schools from okay. now. And I spoke to this dude and I just like, yeah, run problems and concepts and ideas past them and we'll workshop things. This is like while I'm walking the dog. So like I lead a work life yeah. integration style thing. There's no, you know, there's no start stop times. It's just what I do, but. Have you not had mentors throughout your life? No. Nah. So my sister is probably the closest thing I'd, I'd yeah. Do you read? I am undiagnosed dyslexic, so I've always struggled to read my whole life. Yeah, so I've probably read about six or seven books my whole life. <laughs> wow. And do you listen to audiobooks? And no. podcasts? Um, yeah, so I was listening to podcasts at one stage until I realized I'm not getting enough thinking time, so I've stopped listening to podcasts. And okay. now when I walk, I daydream. So when I'm walking, I come up with a some of the best ideas. But it just goes to show, because I'm the same, I don't read. Like I've, I've probably read like three books my whole life, but I listen yeah. to a lot of audio stuff because I'm an audio walker thinker. Yeah. Um, but it just goes to show there's no rule book to business. Like no. just do what works for you and everyone's like, you need a mentor, you need a coach, you need to be able to have this, you need to corporatize, you know, you need to read because if you're not reading, you're not learning. Right. There's so many things that you need to do. I think that stuff's really important in, in the macro like for, for a lot of people. Like I think, I think, I think it works. Like mm. I just haven't had, I don't know, enough times, maybe the right word or I haven't um, subscribed well, like, to a lot of those things. Like I haven't, I haven't done them myself, but like, I, I'm sure it works for a lot of people. Like having a mentor, if you need to be driven and pushed or have somebody to bounce things mm. off. If you don't have this circle of friends, like I've just got friends that are great or like yeah. I could sit here with you and. I learned like 20 things before this podcast started just by having a chat to you. Mm, mm. And so I love people. That's one of my things, like my typical Virgo, like just people, person, like I'm sitting here, want to know all about you. What do you do? Like, and so, Curious. Think, yeah, there's stuff yeah. I learned from that. And then I daydream and imagine a lot. So my imagination and I love to like solve problems and make people like, yeah, I think it goes down to that cliche of if, like I'm, if I'm obsessed about making people happy, um, and pleasing people and by being so people-pleasing centric, then that customer experience and problem-solving bit comes about. Yeah, but like it's it's true what you say. I mean, you what, what I mean by that is you know your strengths. You know that a book is not going to put you in the right direction versus talking to your friend, picking up the phone, having a conversation. It's just a different frequency, you know, because I'm like all about energy, frequency versus mind. Yeah, it's just, absolutely. you know, it's, it's what you, um, what works for you. So going back into, um, the marketing, uh, side of things in the brand, I think a lot of people now during COVID and the pandemic that's happened, I don't want to go into 
too much because it's very overused. But a lot of people freaked out, you know, like with marketing spend and pulled back on a ton of things, let go of staff because, you know, they're holding on to cash because they're not sure what's going to happen next. What did you guys do during the COVID period um, when the whole – you know, uncertainty thing happened. You're like smiling. You're like, I know exactly what happened. Uh, did you pull back on your marketing spend or did you increase? So, as f- a few things. So, when COVID first hit, we got wind of COVID. We started becoming aware of it about November last year. Okay. And then the prevalence of it started spiking in Italy in Jan, Feb. Yeah. And then we were oblivious about it in Australia um, and America, especially. And then my wife's hairdresser is this lovely Italian lady. She's cutting her hair. And then she showed her this YouTube video that her cousin put up in Italy. And her cousin died, sadly. Oh, but this I'm was so while sorry. she was from COVID. And she's oh, watching, she died from COVID? Yeah, in Italy. And she's watching this thing and her cousin can barely talk. Like she's choking on her own saliva, on her own voice. And my wife came back. She's just like, okay, cool. If you like, if I get this, I'm not coming back from this. Because I kept the common cold and it takes me like, like three months to get better from that because my autoimmune disease. So we were very conscious of it. As soon as it started to spike and there was mainstream notoriety about what COVID's all about, we made the conscious decision of our people first and safety and health first. So we came out, we closed our HQ down so everyone worked from home. So we were really early at doing that. So cut down the commuting, cut down leaving your house, like everyone just worked from home. I'd see on Instagram stories of some of our like um, staff. We don't call them staff or employees. Everyone's called a teammate, by the way. So like if one of our teammates were like out at a restaurant, I'd be DMing them, tell them, what are you doing? Go home. Uh, like, yeah. Because right? we care, right? Yeah. And so um, th- there was that change that came in first, big, everyone's working from home. Then I sat, we, we all sat down. Uh, I sat down with my CFO and all my heads and we started to work out, okay, well, What's really going to be the impact of this? Mm. And how do we now keep everyone employed? And how do we now ensure that the company's got enough money? If we brought in nothing, what's our burn rate? Yeah, right. I think we worked out, cool, we're going to run out of cash by September. <laughs> if like when everything just completely goes to shit. Dies, yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting. The distribution, um, our distribution companies that supply all, all of our retail stores, all of our re- retail partners, within the first two months that that collapsed by like 90%. Um, And our strategy very quickly became, well, if our retailers can't sell product for us, we're going to have to rely on ourselves, which is our our strong direct-to-consumer e-commerce model. Mm -hmm. So we had a – we've got a really um, well-performing e-commerce business in America, but we didn't open one up in Australia because the population here is really small. So is it .com? The .com is the US one and and the .com.au .com.au just started up just this year because of COVID. Okay. So within a week, we got an Australian version of the website up and running. Like within one week, I think our our team worked 24-7 to get this thing launched. And we, we decided that, well, like you can't go and force poor retailer who's got no customers coming to their store to buy products off your distribution company. Yeah. It's like, well, we can reach the end use consumer directly because we already reach whatever, like 40 million people globally through our social media. Oh, wow. That's so, a big reach. So total, total reach yeah, through all of our through all of our channels and networks. So we thought, okay, cool. Well, let's, let's control the narrative. You probably hear this all the time. It's overused. Control the narrative. What does it, what does it mean? Mm. It means take control of what you're going to do instead of relying on somebody who's, who's in the middle. So we were forced to go and set up that website and 
we made the, the commitment of like, I was just like, spend money. Like, let's make sure our ROAS, our return on advertising spend multiple is at what we needed to be, which is 5X. And if it's at 5X, keep, keep, keep investing. So whatever we normally spend with, you know, three, 400 grand a month on paid advertising. So that, you just cranked it. Yeah, that went up to about one and a half, two mil a month during the, the times of COVID. The ROAS was still the same. Whatever we lost from distribution, we more than made up on e-commerce. So mm. we were quite fortunate in, in that, COVID brought about this renewed focus on health and wellness. People started to look after themselves. People, um, you know, realized, well, hey, whey protein. Actually, we released so we released a, um, a research paper that there's a study on um, people with cystic fibrosis. That's inflammation of your lungs. Um, if they uh, consume 40 grams of whey protein on a daily basis, it increased the amino acid D. Antioxidant called glutathione in the mitochondria of the cells within the lungs. So the core cells in your lungs it increased this specific antioxidant that fights inflammation. Whey protein does that. Okay. So what? Hold on. Whey is not just there for like muscle gain. It's also there to like improve my wellness and help my body fight pathogens. Awesome. We went hard on that messaging during COVID. Okay. And all of a sudden, like our our whey protein sales like quadrupled because we inform people and empowered them about this you stuff. Made that it relative. They had, yeah, yeah, relevant. And so they had no clue about that stuff and we started to yeah, mm. just explore that. But um yeah, COVID was a challenging time. Like we we're still dealing with the unknown. It's mm-hmm. we have record months in sales on month. Like last September was the biggest month the company's had in its history. Mm. And then this month is on track for being a very mediocre month. Um, so you're still like uncertain with what's going on. Yeah. But mm. the one thing we can control is um, our, our obsession and dedication to innovation and continuing to continuing to pioneer and build and grow and, and deliver phenomenal customer experience. And so we've got 58 new products rolling out in the next 12 months. We just did a reformulation on our OxyWay protein as the OxyWay lean wellness protein. So it's the first ever wellness protein that's got like super probiotics in there um, that like boost your immune system and mm-hmm. um, OxyShred. We did some like cool limited edition flavors just to excite people when gyms started opening up again. So yeah, it's been, it's been an exciting time because we're doing stuff to keep it exciting. Mm-hmm. Whereas and you pointed out before the question about competitors, like what are your competitors doing? Mm-hmm. Well, they're not doing anything. And so it leaves this huge opportunity for us in the market to get out and make the investments mm-hmm. to really grow on the product development side as well as like just get yeah, doubling down on 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 reaching people through paid advertising. Yeah, marketing. So you pretty much cranked it, which is uh which is interesting because a lot of people did hold back. Yeah. But then um this sounds really bad, but then the smart business people cranked the marketing and they made huge amount of ROI well, so once throughout that process. Take, this is a gamble. Like when you've it got, is. It's a huge risk because you don't really know. You've got no idea, right? It could yeah. have backfired. And so I just say, we're not like in hindsight, you can mm. say smart. I just say we're lucky and blessed that it worked out in our favor. Mm. Um yeah. Well, like, well, like Warren Buffett said, and I think this is what came to us as a business as well, is he mentioned uh, when people live in fear, that's when you double down on being greedy. And when people live in greed, that's when you fear. So I think when COVID happened, I was like, we need to be greedy. Like, let's take the risk and double down on our marketing. Yeah. I- so, you know, I think that's what, what worked for us as well. So, um, 
Going into pivoting, you mentioned, I actually am super intrigued by what you said before about the tech stuff because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, our clients are in tech and digital and, you know, tech is my passion. Um, what are you guys moving into when you say applications? That was one of your divisions. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I, you I can? I can. Um, okay. It's... We want to be the brand that goes beyond just a, a, a like a tangible item. Um, like say, hey, I've got a tub of oxy shreddy here. Yeah, cool. It's gonna mm-hmm. definitely help you. You're gonna get amazing results on it. You're gonna love the experience. Tastes amazing. Cool. Yeah. What do we know about you? Nothing. I don't know anything about you because we don't have the data. And so we've been working on this for a long time. We actually initially partnered with um, the app agency that built the app for NASA. Um, I mean, that Can was Can you it. mention them? No. Uh, <laughs> um, so they were a whole bunch of big blah, blah. And cool. we've moved moved away from them and I've built this whole tech team in-house. Um, oh, so you went that's, in-house. That's even, yeah, that's just- That's a big leap. Yeah. So instead of like, the whole marketing stuff and like, hey, yeah, we're cool. We built the app for NASA, but we're not going to give you that A team. We're going to give you this other team. It's yeah, right. it's how we actually then build the talent in house to be able to deliver on like what our what our goals are. So I uh, EHP, we want to know as much as we can about people because that's how you can then properly help them. When you Correct. go to your doctor, you sit down, you tell them about all your stuff. They know about your history, they know about your problems, they probably know about your parents and family history, everything. They, they can properly diagnose you. So from our perspective, to properly help people, effectively help people with the health and fitness journeys, we want to know more about them. We want to know about their eating habits. We want to know about their... Uh, discipline, uh, sticking to meal plans and nutrition plans. Um, it's what they call the feedback loop in tech world. And mm-hmm. so what we're trying to do is build enough feedback loops as well as um, as well as just being able to have that relationship and have that data play mm-hmm. within our overall business. And so that's where the future of EHP is, is through our through the application side, the tech side of things, right? EHP Fit app that irrespective of where you are in the world, irrespective of what channel you bought our products from, you'll get the EHP Fit app that essentially like is this community or platform which houses the entire global EHP community, all of our customers around the world. Mm-hmm. From a community function perspective, nutrition, diet perspective, you can go in there and like book a session or like a, just a, like if you're into strength Got and conditioning, yeah. you can get yourself a strength and conditioning coach and like have a session with them as well as um, this cool audio driven. I can't go too, too much detail about this bit, okay. but it's going to be big on what the future is, which is audio, Alexa, podcast, we're doing one now mm-hmm. about how audio ties in. To fitness mm-hmm. and how voice prompts during workouts. Yeah, I can't go into massive detail about that stuff, but it's definitely uh, some cool cutting edge stuff with tech. Awesome. And is that a sub model, a subscription where people subscribe and pay like a monthly fortnightly thing? Is that what the application is doing? So yeah, there's going to be, there's different tiers. We want to make this as accessible as possible to everyone. So I want okay. to remove the friction. And so it's going to be for free for everyone. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be tiers. So if if you decide to, for example, like get the 
get the the dream team box you know in the dream team box every month it'll be like a it'll be like a, a subscription supplement package and we'll create it for you Got and it. you'll have a huge value proposition it'll be like 250 bucks worth of supplements for like whatever 99 dollars a month that comes to you and you've got the ability to go and change flavors and do all this stuff but it's actually prescribed like so Got you'll have like we'll know so much about you that we can that help to create know. that box for yeah. you yeah and modify that over time based Got on it. your behavior with our app that's so cool awesome we're, yeah we're really excited about that so yeah. that's like the future of of your brand and where it's going it's data like so i'm, yeah. I'm inspired by amazing brands like Andama that go and make investments into tech with my fitness pal and mm. uh, i don't know the other running Fitbit. app that whole play yeah, yeah and so, a few others, so yeah. yeah i'm not too sure if it be is under un, sweat un, is as well under, is pretty good sweat's huge too but how you've got brands that operate in different verticals so under armor to us is all clothing right mm. but they're actually a massive tech play and this they is are. years ago like eight years ago and you talked about mentors i'm i go more on people who inspire me so we we're on a call with like the, the head of tech or uh, whatever for under armor years ago and this was when we first started because we thought oh like how can we leverage off my fitness pal to get more awareness and try and build in our supplements into my fitness pal yeah yeah we jump on a call and the dudes from under armor is like oh yeah we own my fitness pal i was like what that's insane he's like yeah because our goal is to know more about our own customers than their own doctors do if we can know about about our customers and we can have their customer data, then we can cater for all their apparel needs and whatever mm. other techniques or whatever other vertical Under Armour goes into. Mm. They, for want of a better word, own or control that relationship with the end use consumer. Mm. Now your brand can roll out in whatever whatever vertical you want, productize whatever whatever thing you want because you know the customer. Wow, big things, huh? Yeah, sorry, I get a bit excited. About that, that, no, but. that's that's huge because it, it's truly where the world's going. It's tech, AI, voice, as you were saying, audio. Um, that's where it's evolving. I think a lot of businesses are seeing that hugely and people are opening up divisions of tech in internal now and they're not relying on agencies. So people are building stuff behind the scenes, especially now during COVID. Um, so... You know, uh, based on the brand, we spoke about that. We spoke about the tech. We spoke about pivoting. Is there anything that's happening for you in the pipeline at the moment, I guess, on a personal brand perspective or a business that you want to talk about or make known other than you're evolving into tech? Yeah, we're doing some really cool things. Uh, other verticals, looking at the consu- at the fast-moving consumer good convenience uh, vertical. Um, so OxyShred at the moment is our big flagship product. It's, um, yeah, super exciting to, to start the early stage R&D around um, a carbonated OxyShred in a can that will be available anywhere and everywhere. So it'll be like the first thermogenic fat burner energy drink uh, that's in a can you can go into mm-hmm. a convenience store and buy it so just being more convenient for our consumers around the world so that bit's pretty cool, cool. and you'll be interested in this uh, plant-based you you know you walk into a convenience store or a gym it's difficult to get 
a protein drink in an RTD ready to drink that's it plant is, based. Yeah. yeah, they're all usually dairy based. So we're doing the R and D at the moment for a blessed um like UHT, Yum. like a actual yeah, um like a RTD convenience thing. Um as well as big expansion to the state. So we just signed a partnership deal with a thousand retail stores called the Vitamin Shop. Mm-hmm. Um so that's gonna be kicking off next month. Uh so yeah, Oxytrade's gonna be available in US national retail with them. Um yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in the product front. I mean, I could talk for ages, but on the personal brand <laughs> stuff, it's just yeah, continuing to to build the HP. Because to me, yeah, I, my focus is the the brand, the legacy brand, as opposed mm-hmm. to me, the personal brand. Because I'm not going to be here always, right? And mm-hmm. so it's like, how Correct. do I create something that outlives me, that's far bigger than me, mm-hmm. and that's called the company? Because a whole bunch of people come together, and you know. Our, our company is the company. Us yeah. being together is the company. Is a family. Mm. And with your personal brand, I don't know if you've just recently started, but have you worked much on your personal brand pre or are you just kind of coming out now and talking? Yeah, I've been in the shadows for a long time. Like when you actually focus that hard on – on on like what the purpose is the purpose right it's a a business company it's just yeah work all the time and on that stuff Mm -hmm. so having this amazing team now like just fortunate enough to have the amazing team and then what the brand and the company has done um i think it's it's nice to get out and talk about it and and to show the passion and to show what goes on behind the scenes and it's not just all you know glossy and perfect and you know rainbows and unicorns it's yeah it's, it's hard work it's super hard. And leading up to that, there's a question um, here I wanted to ask you. A lot of people now during our era flex a ton. Mm. Just, you know, the cars, the jewelry, the the jets, the women, the, yeah. the, the parties, the events. It's just a lot of flex and flex and everybody's an entrepreneur and everybody's a founder and everybody's something, right? It's like the title mm. people want. Um, where do you see the entrepreneurship game going yeah. future? Because I guess entrepreneurship wasn't cool. And it, I don't even think it's cool now. It's super hard. It's, you know, blood, sweat, tears, loneliness. There's a ton of other things on top of that. You know, it's huge mental game issues as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel as though a lot of millennials or, or Gen Zs, Gen Ys don't really know that yet. Mm. Where do you see them going in this era of entrepreneurship? Yes, yeah, to, to me, it's cause and effect, and that's what's mm. generally the precursor, the determinant of whether something's going to become cool or not, right? So, mm. you look at fame, and fame generally is the the end result of you know what what is cool, and so mm. like rappers or like you know was cool was I know in my time. So like I wanted to be an NBA basketball player back when I was a kid. <laughs> Um, and, and you look at that stuff, it's because it was fame. It was then the tangible things that you could buy, the material things you could buy when you had that level. And so now with entrepreneurially, entrepreneurially, the, the, entre, with entrepreneurs, yeah. yeah. Um, the, with entrepreneurs, they, we, we now have, um, our ability to disseminate content at scale. And so when you've got a level of so somebody who's worked hard and their life goal, little, you know, trophy for themselves, because, 
as you know like if, if you're making something out of nothing that's what an entrepreneur is that's mm -hmm. the definition of entrepreneur some french word that apparently means that i think and okay and yeah, i mean it's to make something out of nothing um and so if you've done that and then we're also then very reward driven i believe there's like this intrinsic kind of dna that's in all of us it's like cool I'm, I'm going to do this and then there's a reward. I'm going to do this as a reward. It's just human behavior. And mm -hmm. so for a lot of us, it's a tangible thing. So cool, the Lambos and the Ferraris and the, you know, different the LV clothes and all this stuff and holidays and all that stuff appears on social media. And there's a place for that. And I think that peaked really, really um, dramatically a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Like everyone is posting cars and all this stuff, which symbolizes success for them. Like that's great. Mm -hmm. But I feel that's what then starts to make it cool because then you've got these people that are looking at that going, oh, well, I want that. Cool. How do they do that? Oh, they're an entrepreneur. It's a buzzword. They're but, running a business, yeah. Yeah, but a lot of that's not real too, you know? So Very I think true. just cutting the bullshit and finding mm. like what is real and like, okay, you bought a <laughs> X, Y, and Z thing, you know, within some period of time. Like I've, I'm guilty of it. Mm. I think we all we are. We all are. Yeah. You know, I started the company at 29 years old. Within the first year of starting the company, I went and bought a bright yellow Ferrari. Mm. I posted a, like a little douchebag on like, you know, Facebook and Instagram. It was actually there. four months you made your first million. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And then um, in our first year, four months, I did that in our first year, whatever, we did like four and a half mil. And the company was me and my wife, my wife's yeah. cousin. Okay. So we bought a house, we bought a car, bought all yeah. this shit, 29 years old. Right. Yeah. Right. But now it's just everything's about growth. Everything's about investing in, in everyone else's growth and all that stuff. And like to me, I'm the, the car collects dust and whatever. I've got it sitting on a car stack right now. Like my car at the moment. It's, it's not a Ferrari. It's a different type of car. But I've got my two baby. I've got a I've got a G sixty three G wagon. Oh, nice. I got my baby yeah. seats in the back. I got two baby seats in the back, and I drive that, and we sing sing this yeah funny like, song dragging in a G wagon. So, yeah, <laughs> man. I'm like and 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 you know stuff's different. My my girls, you know, because. Like I also race cars. It's still so, a nice car. Come on. Yeah, but like <laughs> you're like acting like it's like some SUV or like you know. <laughs> it's a Kia Carnival. It's I'm still like, a nice <laughs> car. Yeah. No, it's it's if you appreciate and you value that, you know, I've got some I've got some friends who come from incredibly successful families have made their wealth mm. from from hard work. They didn't inherit it, mm -hmm. and that's not where they place their value. You know, they place their value in other things. You know, so we have a massive philanthropic arm of my personal family life and what we do so a lot of stuff that could be five lamborghinis a year goes towards charity our own be empowered foundation so we've got our own foundation called oh, be cool. empowered foundation yeah so we support we've got two orphanages in fiji and so over 100 kids there we support um women's welfare specifically um women who are victims of domestic violence so okay. we help to build a a 24-bedroom secret safe house um, in the western suburbs of women who oh, nice. are victims, yeah, of domestic violence. Police don't get involved. So this separate, okay. si si different organization, separate organization uh, goes in, they rescue the females and they house them and look after them during oh, wow. the time. Um, as well as um, medical diseases, uh, research into rare incurable diseases is where we drive a lot of our our profits towards now. So it's just, yeah, life starts to become a bit different when, you know, compared from when you're, you're 28, 29, yeah. tw I'm 37 now. You have um, this beautiful 
perspective of life in the macro. Mm. And I know you listen to a lot of similar people who, you know, in the entrepreneur world, you know, you mentioned Gary V before and stuff. And uh, he talks a lot, a lot about the macro and when you can pull yourself up. And I remember in 2016, when I took a whole team over to Vegas for the Mr. Olympia, we took everyone up, the athlete team, there would have been 30 people, this huge hot air balloon. The reason I did that was I said, look down brought everyone up here to see the world in a different perspective. We can see the impact that we have on all of this instead of just being down there and seeing everything just laterally, mm. you can see it now from an aerial perspective and everything looks so different. When things look different, your thoughts about those things are different. When your thoughts about those things are different, your actions about those things are going to be different, more impactful. I like that. It's very inspiring. You have inspiring words. <laughs> I like it. Um, to finish off the podcast, I always ask a question that um, somebody on a podcast, I don't know who asked this question, but he asked this question to a guest and he got stuck. It was actually Grant Cardone, the guest, and he got super stuck with it. If Mark... Zuckerberg, the, the founder of Facebook, come to you and said, Is I want you to take over Facebook for a day and I want you to take over the Facebook page and you have one post to post on Facebook that will reach 7 billion people across the world. What would that post be and why? Yeah, really good question. Um, it'd be let's make things better by making better things let's make things better by making better things yeah as um and why is that so first of all it it's one of the things that I kind of made up and we've got the, that word written just outside our boardroom so when we come when we go in when we go out we see that and that's one of the biggest things that if everybody in this world just knew that we all have a part to play in this world and the world's an ecosystem. And just like every ecosystem, we're just the organisms and the, the, the pieces of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. One, we all need to fit in. Two, we all need to do our bit to make it work. And so to make it work, well, let's think about whatever we're doing, whether you're cleaning the, the, the floors and the tables here or whether you're, you're controlling the audio, whatever your job is, mm -hmm. do it the best that you can do it, okay? Because that's what's going to lead that's what's going to lead to a better world and, and the legacy that you leave behind. So, yeah, firm believer in in impact like and legacy and making things better, making things better by continuing to make or do better things. I like that. And where do, where can people find you if people wanted to reach out on Instagram or? Instagram, it's just my name, um, I-Z-H-A-R-B-A-S-H-A. Um, yeah, it's a place where I'm probably IG. Most yeah. yeah, and I jam most LinkedIn, are you on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. Do you use LinkedIn much? Yeah, I don't really use anything much, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you have people that are managing that for you, though. No, not really. Like, okay. my personal brand, honestly, it's nothing about my personal brand. Like, everything is a company for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm super responsive to anyone or whoever reaches out to me on Instagram. Like, people reach out to me about, like, customer service problems. I'll solve it for them. Really? Or, like, yeah, somebody got, like, somebody so in that? India bought, like, products all the way in India. I felt so sorry for this person. They would have saved up their, like, 
like, I don't know, four months of pay to buy our products and get it shipped to India. And like, I don't know, something got like customs opened and dented and broken and stuff. So we sent them out like, you know, double the order for free and like oh, send that's stuff. that's so nice. I, I, yeah, my customer yeah, service yeah. team hates it when I do customer service because I just give everything away for know, free. Right? So they keep me away from that. But um, yeah, like I'm, I'm like whoever needs help, I'll, I'll help and things like that too. So yeah, just DM nice. me, DM me and I reply to everyone. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate that. It's a pleasure. Thanks, (laughs) Thanks for choosing to wake up with focus. If you haven't already, please subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And for more tips and tricks on how to propel your digital presence to success, follow the focus group on our socials via focus recruitment and at focus media original on Instagram. Connect with us on LinkedIn at Focus Group and at Focus Media or get in touch directly, belinda at focus.com.au.